Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? Today we are talking about the 1980s camp classic <laughs> The Burning starring Jason no. Alexander when he had hair. No. Wait, that's not? Oh, right, okay. Uh, anyway, we are watching The Burning, a Korean indie that came out in 2019, I believe. Uh, and it is quite the slow burn. We will really try and break it down in our segment when we get into the main meat of the podcast. But before we start the podcast writ large, once again, I want to promote the organizations Transform KC and One Struggle KC. We are not out of this yet, so please just continue to uh, donate and support any organizations in the Kansas City area or in your area uh, that are helping move forward in uh, the field of social justice. With that, what have you guys been watching? How are you doing? Doing good. Can't complain. Awesome. Who wants to start us off with what they've been watching these past two weeks? I have a movie that I texted you guys about that I would like to talk about. This movie is called Marauders, and it's terrible. Oh, yeah. It's so bad. Um, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. Um, Marauders is a Christopher Maloney, who is... Um, people know him usually from like what hot american summer or i was gonna say that's his most notable role yeah i don't think he has another big one yeah <laughs> maybe law and order you know um <laughs> but it's got him and dave batista and um bruce willis and it's a heist movie and so you're like oh okay like i can get behind this idea of a heist movie none of those people commit any heists they're the person who's getting money stolen from, and they're the people investigating the heist, which is the most boring perspectives you could take in the heist movie. Um, there's also a bunch of just, like, slapdash tropes, like, just added onto each other. Like, it's just like they're doing an aggregator for, like, what would what would make up a heist movie, and they're just putting it all together. So there's, like, the lead investigator listening over and over to, like, a voicemail from his dead wife. Um, and she's like, why did you leave all the clothes on the floor? silly <laughs> and you're like why like first of all nobody calls their significant other and leaves a five second voicemail about clothes being on the floor in like a fun sing-songy way right like if you're That's getting a text if you're getting a short voicemail about your clothes being on the floor that is that is a angry voicemail so i don't know also true. just it's just it's all this weird stuff dave batista is not in the same movie because he's taking it super serious <laughs> and, um bruce willis like committed a war crime or something and like got his brother murdered but he's also like as a lifetime yeah ago. the leader of like a multinational bank and there's like a dead soldier who like may or may not be dead and he's been accused of stuff i don't know it's it was just bonkers so uh don't watch marauders um <laughs> and then i watched a couple other things this week we finished out the last season of Shit's creek um, which I cannot recommend enough. It's probably I was, you got to sell me on it. I it's I have not been able to bring myself to start it, and I think it's solely because of the name. So it's it is um, way bigger than its name. Um, it is probably one of the best character study like sitcoms I've ever seen, where like it knows exactly who its characters are and it's crafted them super super well. And all of the the great sitcoms like have all done that like you know exactly who michael scott from the office is you know exactly who the characters of parks and rec are curb your enthusiasm arrested development i'm trying to figure out the one that is on your list ty that i can compare this to i mean it's always sunny like those characters know yeah. exactly who they are and so it's like that in schitt's creek um it is um 
it's Eugene Levy um, and Catherine O'Hara. Um, and so, like, I feel like you have seen stuff that they are both in, but they're both excellent yeah. in it. And I would say it's probably in my top five sitcom all time. Um, okay. It's really, really good. Wow. I will say, um, if you get to, I think you have to watch all of season one. And the reason I say that is I started season one and I think I got like three episodes in and I was like, I don't know, like it may not be for me, but like if you get to the end of season one and you're like, it's not for me, it's definitely not for you. But it will, like, it's kind of like Parks and Rec season one where Mm -hmm. it just takes a little bit and then season two, it really hits its stride. Um, So it gets really good and it's got six seasons. Um, I think five of them are on Netflix. So super low barrier to entry. Um, You should check it out. All right. Riley, what about you? Oh, man, I haven't been watching a lot movie-wise. Last two weeks have pretty much been basketball, uh, some Power Rangers, some Love Island, and that's about it. Creme de la creme. Very eventful. (laughs) A very on-brand two weeks for me. So There was a a night in the past two weeks where I'm the opposite of you right now, Riley. I had the place to myself, so I stayed up until 4 a.m. watching movies. And the movies from that night were also, uh, shout out to the A to Z Horror Podcast, because all three of these were done because I was catching up on movies that they were about to review. Uh, and then one of them I did that was supposed to be the next week's episode, and they called an audible and watched something else entirely. But I watched The Squad, The Invisible Man, and Let Us Pray. Let Us Pray and The Squad are not really worth talking about. They're fine the squad has zero to minimal payoff let us pray is just bizarre uh but the invisible man it might be in my top 10 horror of all time damn just because it everybody had sold me hard on it and they're like yeah you know like i was looking around the screen etc etc all this kind of stuff and i was like okay like i was hearing that from this is going to sound pretentious but I was hearing that from people who aren't into horror. I was hearing that from normies, and I'm like, okay, like... It, Real they, horror kids, non, no. Non-Creed fans. <laughs> yeah, non-Creed fans. But no, like, you know what I'm saying, though, because my standard for horror is much different. I don't know, I'm a normie, so different. I'm not sure. Uh, see, you watch more horror <laughs> than a lot of other people, though. That's true. Like, I, 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 I did, I did watch The Invisible Man as well. And it's... It's unbelievable. Like, I was just tensed up in my seat on the couch the whole time, and I was, like, looking at every shot in the background. Lee Wan L is a genius. He's – we talked about it on our incredibly messy upgrade ep- episode. Lee Wan L is incredible. He's so – he's just so good at what he does. And Elizabeth Moss controls that entire movie. Her performance is impeccable. Mm-hmm. It's – such a good movie. I love The Invisible Man, and I'm so excited for uh, where we go with the reboot of the Universal Monsters through Blumhouse. I My only disappointment is that it's so good that they're also giving Lee 1L Wolfman, and I just wanted to see different directors take each monster. But I'm, I also completely trust Lee 1L to do it, especially a Nightcrawler-inspired Ryan Gosling-led Wolfman. I'm... Super in on that. Sexiest Wolfman we've it's, had. Wait, it's a Nightcrawler inspired? Like X-Men Nightcrawler? No, like Jake Gyllenhaal oh, oh, Nightcrawler oh, oh, inspired. Oh, okay. uh, because reportedly Ryan Gosling is a news anchor and also the Wolfman. And so it might 
people a lot of people are speculating that has to do with him reporting on his own crimes uh, as they're kind of like tearing through the city so really really interested to see where that one goes and then actually I, just a just a super tame wolf man reading off the six o'clock news <laughs> <laughs> it's a michael j fox just reading the news yeah in his letter jacket because he never moved on after that basketball game <laughs> and then i've also been been doing a lot of series lately i've worked through most of season one of swamp thing which is pretty good it's no it hasn't blown the doors off but swamp thing is pretty good and i like the character a lot uh but it he's kind of minimally involved in the series because i think they were planning on building him up with season one and then really bringing him in in the later seasons and that doesn't seem to happen you know because you don't get your season two with that series I've also started watching the Harley Quinn series on that's currently on HBO Max. And similar to Jeff talking about Schitt's Creek, I was almost all the way out on this series after the first episode because they really beat you over the head with the fact that it's not a children's cartoon. And they tons of swearing, tons of gore, and they're really trying to just lay it on thick. And it has that quote-unquote edgy vibe to it that is just annoying and boring. But... They really find their stride through episode two and onward, and it's really, really great. Uh, Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy, their character dynamic is fantastic, and they play with a lot of the both canon and just fanship between them. It's fantastic. It's really great. And then HBO uh, recently started Lovecraft Country last week, second episode tonight, and Lovecraft Country is awesome. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. It is a horror series with a black family in the 1950s, both navigating real-world America horrors and, um, you know, eldritch-being-monster type horrors. The only complaint I have about that is not even with the show itself, but it's with people who don't understand that it's not an adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story. Within the series, he exists as he does in our world. He was an author, he wrote his books, and he was a horrible racist. And a lot of people are like, well, I mean, it's not even really Lovecraft. Right. It's not going to be. And also, we've only had one episode. It's not going to get cosmic yet. So I think it has a lot of potential, and I'm really, really excited for where it goes. And then on that cosmic horror note, not a series or movie, but I've been listening to the Magnus Archives podcast, which is phenomenal. It's something I thought about starting in the past and just never did because I saw the entire backlog of episodes they had. But now that I've finally started it, I'm glad there's such a backlog of episodes. It revolves around a archivist in the Magnus Institute in London, uh, reading through his predecessor's archives that are a complete mess and going through all these paranormal statements. And as he starts to record these statements, a larger overarching like cosmic horror plot comes out of it. And it's incredibly addicting. It's super good. Right on. Yeah. All right. So with that out of the way, should we go ahead and start talking about burning? I suppose so. All right. I will give a brief rundown. Uh, It has a 95% on the tomato meter and an audience score of 81%. uh, Directed by Chang Dong Lee and written by Oh Jung Mi and Chang Dong Lee. Uh, Came out... It, it had a similar run to Parasite where it came out across a couple of years, uh, but it really, I believe it went wide through 2019. 
but I, yeah, we'll talk about it. The basic synopsis, Burning tells the story of three individuals and a mysterious incident they experience. Uh, Jiangsu bumps into an old friend, Jaime, on a part-time delivery job. Jaime asks Jiangsu to take care of her cat while she leaves on a trip to Africa. When she returns, Jaime introduces Jiangsu to Ben, a man she met in Africa. One day, Ben and Jaime pay Jiangsu a visit, and he reveals his secret interest to Jiangsu. So, let's... There aren't really that many rotten reviews, because as we hinted with the scores on this one, a lot of people really, really dig this movie. It was kind of a critic and fan darling in the indie circuit. And not to give too much away, I don't think it quite landed with all of us. I would say that's correct. But before we get into that portion of the show, let's talk about what this movie did well and what we liked about this movie. Yeah, I think what this movie is is successful in doing is there is a world that's built, and especially for those of us who are not Korean, which is all of us, um, I think that this does a, a good job of building like the city, the surrounding area that they live in, the differences in between like what the main character's life is like and what Ben's life is like. Um, like um, there's some very clear like class delineation going on in this movie. Um, and so I thought that element, the movie sets up well, like it, it gives a reason for one character to be jealous of the other. Um, it gives some motivation for um why he might be looking to sort of look outside himself for, uh, I don't know, why he's looking to really change his life because he feels stuck. He has to watch his dad's farm. You know, like he is kind of has this bad life that he can't change. And so I think that that sets up the differences between the characters well. Yeah, I agree. I also want to touch on with the world building. I think the just South Korea and the cities themselves that they were in. I, I think they're in Seoul, right? Yeah. yeah that was the, like, that was the city. Yeah. Okay. Um, Seoul itself felt very alive and you, we saw a lot of people out doing things, horns honking in the background of scenes, uh, not for any purpose, just that's what was going on. The whole world felt very vibrant and alive it's shot incredibly well and the sound design is great. And I, I really like that. That's something that like thinking back to parasite, we actually didn't get much of that outside of the very like microscopic view of each family in parasite. Yeah. And this, we see soul writ large and how it's bustling and moving and what it's like. And I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, definitely agree. Riley, what did you kind of pick up on? What did you like? Um, I mean, you guys touched on the the big stuff. There really, there really <laughs> isn't much more. Um, I thought I I'm, I'm not going to try the actors' names, but I thought Ben and is it Jong Soon? Yeah, Jong Soo. Is that? Um, I thought their performances were pretty well done. Um, I liked Ben's more than our main character. Um. I don't know if it was on purpose. He just felt like, I don't know, the emotionalist thing from him. It didn't really work for mm-hmm. me. But Well, I, thought- I think I think Steven Yoon, like, that's both a help and a hindrance to this movie because he is somebody that we've seen in a ton of stuff 
even before um, getting into this movie. Whereas a lot of these other actors were being introduced to the first time. And we, so we've seen uh, Steven Yoon and uh, mayhem. I think he was in the walking dead. Yeah. Wasn't he the guy that gets yeah. his eyeball busted out and brains blown in with a baseball bat to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> the one killed by uh, Denny from Grey's anatomy. Why would that help me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, the, a lot of people have that cultural the touch nail point. bat. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, that's okay. his name. Yes. I'm just laughing that you thought Grey's Anatomy would be a good reference point that I would maybe that's, know. That's not necessarily for you. That's for the listener. Oh, gotcha. I'm trying yeah, to be courteous Steve, here. I, but yeah, I thought Stephen. I thought his performance was probably the best of our three characters. Hands down. Yeah. Um, but that that's about it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think we'll have more to say in the next category, and it'll maybe highlight some of the things it does well at the same time. But you know, there's this movie does. We talked about off mic, kind of what we felt about this movie, and and really, I think it comes down to expectations. Um, we think that the trailer portrays this as a much more exciting movie, in, in that there's a lot going on and there's a lot of activity, and this movie is like the very definition of a slow burn um whether or not you think the payoff at the end is kind of worth it um i do think there is a good mystery i think if i would have gone in knowing that this was a two and a half hour like mystery movie that i would have maybe watched it different um than thinking if it was like a thriller or even a suspense like i don't really even know that you can say that this is a suspense Mm -hmm. which thriller and suspense are equal for me but i don't know like i think it does there is good character work, there is good mystery, but it's not as much as I would like, for sure. Knowing that it's a character study, I think, helps it a lot as you come in. I did not know that, but also, when your movie is a character study, it hurts when only one of your characters is really actually interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, since we're in what we liked, I am just going to focus on that. I think the whole thing with... Some of some of Ben's monologues and Stephen Yoon's performance in that when he's talking about having never cried and like not feeling emotion, it's like, oh, no, he's a sociopath. He's completely a sociopath. And they they bring that to you up front, which makes it really interesting for an audience. But then at the same time, you're like, how is none of this a red flag for Jiang Su or Haimi? Right. It becomes a red flag for Jiang Su, but. Amy really just latched onto this guy. She's, we'll save that. We'll we'll save the Amy discussion. Right. Beyond that, I, I actually anything, yeah, I don't have anything else. Yeah, to add, I would like to so. get into the next one for sure. <laughs> like, and it's not. I before we do that, I I don't want to say I don't think this is a terrible movie, but the things that I liked about it and things that we can talk about are very simple. I feel like <laughs> you've got your right. cinematography, yeah. your sound design some character work but then beyond that it's hard to really expand on those things that we like yeah i think the the problem is that all of those things are are things that amplify a story and if you just don't like the story or you don't find the story compelling to begin with all the rest of that stuff like doesn't super matter like it feels it does make you watching it feel like you should like it because you can tell it's high quality but when it's not mm. paired with a compelling story, it just kind of the film falls flat because of that. 
that and that's the thing you you mentioned high quality this is an incredibly well put together and well made movie and i get why people are so high on it it just it did not work for me yeah yeah i mean the story it, yeah it just kind of comes across as bland i mean yeah yeah i think that's it's it's an it's an artsy film it is there's <laughs> a lot of art for art's sake in this movie right oh actually i do want one thing i did really like that I have never really seen another movie touch on, and it's such a small thing. But when Jiang Su and Jaime are, uh, when they're smoking at the very beginning, uh, they both have to spit. And I think that not enough things touch on, like, a lot of people, you rip a cig, like, you're probably going to have to spit a little bit because of that nicotine and smoke. And everybody in movies is just like, yeah, whatever, fine, let me just breathe this entire cigarette in, have a conversation, then exhale. And they're like, they're getting started on their cigs and they're spitting into a cup and ashing into it. I think that's a very human element that they included in this movie that I don't see often. Hmm. I would even think about that. I mean, I know it's like, well, it's weird. They're spitting into a cup, but yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. That's a good catch. Big cigarette smoker, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, All right. So yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Uh, let's go ahead and move into what this movie does not do well and what we don't like about Because I don't even want to say it doesn't do well for some of these things. It's just stuff I didn't like. Yep. And the biggest glaring component of this is the first hour of this movie. Yeah. I get that it's world building, but it also it makes us feel bloated and unnecessary. And I feel like if you start so much closer to the... To, when Ben shows up, you can still kind of build on this relationship between Jiangsu and Hei Mi, and it it still remains interesting. He doesn't show up until right, 40 like I minutes feel like, in. Yeah, I feel like that what they tried to do with that first hour is get us to buy into the relationship of Jiangsu and Hei Mi. And by the time the movie gets going, you, I mean, you don't really care about their mm-hmm. about them being together or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, that first hour, I think, is a detriment to those characters because they're just, they're so bizarre. They, they're, and I mentioned this off, uh, off mic, the character work by Jiangsu and Jaime feels like Twin Peaks. Like, they feel like they're not real people. Yeah. Because Jaime is this very, like, stereotype of a free spirit, and Jiangsu is just this wannabe writer who's a farmer taking care of his farm for his dad and just and also just can't stop masturbating it's just so weird it is very bizarre um and we were texting during the movie and we're trying to figure out like you know is it character work and they're just trying to portray like how weird everyone is or is it the actors like just making some weird choices and how they're choosing to portray and it's probably a little bit of both um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's the, can we, you want to talk about Hey Me? Yeah. I wanted to get into Hey Me cause I, so I think a lot of that one is the way she's written. I think she's just not a well-written woman in this movie. She's very like written, very surface level and comes off as like this airheaded world traveler person who's just, I don't know. She's not compelling. Yeah. 
And like, I, you don't have to have all your characters be compelling for them to matter, but also she just feels like an object for, for Jiang Su to obsess over. And she doesn't feel like a character. Well, I wonder if that was more of a, like a, they did that because that's the type of character or person that Ben goes after. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's showing that Jung Soon is falling in love with this person that he sees as like this super duper lady. Uh, but and on another <laughs> level, <laughs> on another level, then it was the pause ben, between super and duper that really got me. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I lost my descriptive words. So, uh, but you know, on the other hand, you have Ben who just sees her as another useless quote unquote greenhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like it, it sucks that we have these like incredibly well-made indie movies that hit internationally and they get super high, super highly praised, and they still fall back on fridging a female character. Like you don't need to do this. Yeah. I mean, you I, can you can do this with her character and Ben and his whole mind game with Jiang Su. You can do all of that. Yeah, you just don't have to write her that way. I do think. I mean, I, I, I think we understand the intention maybe of her being written in a certain way. And I think Riley, you're totally right. I think the whole point is that Jung Soo like finds her a super duper lady, um, <laughs> and Trademark. and really like, like she's very stupid and is. I think the whole point is that she's not really worthy of the affection that Jong Su gives her and that is shown us in, to us in the movie by the way that Ben treats her but it's also to Ty's point like been done in a million movies and it sucks because mm-hmm. it's again only she's only there to further the male protagonists and antagonists like point of view like she is only there to draw the comparison in between the two of them and we we're texting a little bit right like during this and and the scene where she's asking everyone to do the beat while she's doing the dance uh like of the african tribe and like it's basically just korean dinner for schmucks and like (laughs) you know what i mean like it's very uncomfortable and i don't know that i think again this doesn't necessarily fall in the category of what it does or does not do well i didn't really find it super compelling but i did think it was again illustrative of like some of the class stuff that this movie is trying to tackle where Mm -hmm. like, Hey, these are these people who are wealthy and well-read and like know what they're talking about and have a certain view of, I don't know, non-educated people and or poor people. And like that is very clearly portrayed in the way they treat Hamey. Um, And she doesn't even realize it. And you feel like you watch Jung Soo, like realize like, Oh, they're not, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't exactly. value and her. Right, and... right before that, there was also a bit where they... Igno- I, I might have missed this, um, but didn't they also like very briefly say something about Jiang Su smelling? I don't Was think that when so. like the two of them went into the restaurant and he's outside smoking with them? I think so, if I remember right. I And I think re- one of them just kind of like waved in front of their face and there was a very like brief line about it Uh, i might have missed that so i don't know like obviously not to compare you know korean movie to korean movie but we i think we all went into this wondering if it was going to be parasite-esque you know what i mean with some of the class battles as well as 
just the way that the characters work and kind of portray off of each other. And I think some of the class stuff is there, but it, it, it doesn't end up feeling like it actually ends up driving the movie. Like it's more just a wedge in comparison between the characters, mm-hmm. but it's not it's, like it's a, it's a backseat element of this movie. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I don't think it has to be present, but I think it muddles what the movie is trying to get at yes. by not focusing on it more. Yeah, I think what this movie is trying to do and trying to portray is unclear. Because it's, it's not just like it's a mystery movie. It's not just like it's a... I don't know. You know, I just don't really know what yeah. the movie is trying to do exactly. And see, I feel like I've already run out of interesting things to talk about with what I didn't like either. Same. Yeah, it's just... Can we... It's just a very middle of the road movie. Yeah. Can we talk about I, the Yeah, yeah, go. Can we talk about the jazz scene? Yes. Uh well I didn't know if you wanted to talk about the jazz scene. We can in save it for the scenes. Segment. You want to talk about the We'll save scenes? it for that. Okay. Yeah. Uh but so for this, like I I feel like it's this movie is so much better if it's just an hour and a half. Because it is, it's very bare and taut, and I don't think that's a problem. You don't need a lot to work with in a movie. But when you try and fill it out to two and a half hours, that's tough. Yeah. Like, there's just, you're not getting much to go on there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, um, like, with the length of this movie, like, again, because we talk about slow burns all the time. And a slow burn can pay off. You can you can make mm-hmm. a two I'm and notorious a half hour. for loving slow burns. Right, right. But the the payoff has to be pretty big in order to justify yeah, a slow and burn. It just was. Yeah. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the end of this movie. So obviously this yeah. is a spoiler filled podcast. But at the end, you're you're led to believe obviously that um, Ben killed Hemi. He's got her watch in his drawer of mementos. He's already moved on to killing another woman. Um, and I think we're supposed to be led to believe that he may have put her in the old well. See, I I don't think oh, that I, was yeah, the I case. Think I think so. that was just Jiang Su trying to determine if she was being honest to him with his whole obsession on the well. But I thought also wasn't wasn't the whole point of it that that Jiang Su helped her out of the well? So wouldn't he have known it exists? He didn't remember though. Okay, that was the thing. Yeah, I don't. If the well is not part of the end plot, like if that's not tied back to her murder, like again, that is a thing that that's in the movie that like is kind of part of the plot, but kind of not. Mm-hmm. And there's there's like I think five or six of those. You know, I like, think it's there to serve to show that Jiang Su is being manipulated by Jaime. And Jaime is being manipulated by Ben. I think that is what it's trying to get at. Because I do think they kind of touch on it. It's not super clear, but I feel like a lot of what Jaime was trying to do was out of revenge towards Jiang Su for being mean to her in junior high. Like, going to going the lengths to say, I got plastic surgery. Aren't I pretty now? You called me ugly. Yeah. Like... It's just a bizarre element of the plot. Yeah. And there's a lot of those, like you're saying. Right. Um, okay, so here's... Because I want to talk about the end as well, but I also had a question. Do you think she actually went to Africa? See, 
Yeah, I think I think she did. I think so. Okay. Because I think that's how he finds the girls. They're in Africa. No, he's no, just no, like he traveling. Goes, he, he'll travel and find a lone Korean girl. Okay. And so something I wanted to bring up: Do you think that? Do you think Ben was at all associated with the explosion in the airport that kept them there for several days? I don't know. Like he manufactures reasons for them to be invested yeah. in him. Yeah. I think we would need more hints at it right. to mm-hmm. be able to. Well, guess. now that we know that, like, he's not actually burning down greenhouses, that that's like a metaphor for killing women. Like, I don't know that we have evidence that he's like actually, like, destructive in other ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I kept. I mean, I, I felt like it was. It should have been super obvious. Like, like I, I could. I picked up on the fact that he was killing people and he definitely like was behind Hamie's like disappearance before I realized that when he was talking about greenhouses, he was talking about people. And that feels like after I got it, like the moat, the world's most obvious metaphor in the entire world. Um, But then I was trying to figure out like, what is it about greenhouses? Like, why does that metaphor correspond? Like, he's just like, this is a person that I don't think has any value. Like once I've kind of hung out with them for Mm -hmm. a while, they've, use of their value to me and therefore I am the judge of whether or not this greenhouse has any value and I'm just going to torch it because there's no value left. I mean, that's, that is kind of what they're trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how you interpreted it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have much else on this one. I have one last Which one. Which is kind of a bummer. One just clarification, just to make sure I okay. understood it. He's standing at the top of the hill, like looking into the water. So, like, he's definitely put a body in that water, right? Yeah. 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 So, like, whenever he's stopping definitely. to, like, look out over something, it's because there was a body there at one point. Also, so Jiang Su comes up behind him in that scene. Was that a dream? Or does Jiang Su creep all the way up and disappear before Ben turns back around? I don't know. Or. I yeah well I mean we also kind of get at that Ben kind of knew the whole yeah. time that it was him. So I don't know. I See and that's that's where I I think this movie gets disappointing is like obviously you know you can write a story however you want and it can still be exciting without violence or retribution or whatever else there might be but there's so many points in this movie where it could have made a different decision that the movie gets more exciting, right? Like mm-hmm. Ben mm-hmm. could have tried to like get him alone and like play cat and mouse with him, but you never actually right. feel that like Jung Su's ever actually in danger. And I think that's what was missing is there's right. Yeah. I think, I think if Jung Soon had discovered like a more menacing side of Ben, yeah, it would have created that suspense or thrilling aspect. Right. Mm-hmm. It seems like Ben is, is like, really close to basically like just telling him like what he's doing. You know what I mean? And it's like mm-hmm. women, they're disposable, right? Like, like guy to guy, like kind of thing. It, it seems almost like mm-hmm. that he's trying to do that. And so I couldn't tell if like, that's why there was no malice from him to jump. Well, I think or not, Ben but... is just enjoying what he's doing. And I think Ben, if Ben does anything like that or tells Jong Su what's going on, like just outright says, yeah, I'm killing these people. And it's great. I think that loses some of the fun for Ben. I think he just doesn't enjoy what he's doing as much and likes keeping up this whole cat and mouse charade. 
Yeah, but I, I just feel like... I think you're right. I do agree. I just feel like it's weird that there's not more perceived threat either from Ben to Jungsu or like even even Ben is not threatened by Jungsu. Like, yes, there's the jealousy thing and that's why he says he killed that other girl, but he was going to kill her regardless. Regardless. And so, I don't know. Like, there's just, there's all those decision points where it could have been very tense. There could have been very tense, like cat and mouse, but it's more like he's just following him. Um, and I thought at some point he was going to get to like prevent a murder or you know what I mean? That there was going to be like a girl in the car and he was going to like let her out or something like that. But I don't know. They just never really went that direction. Yeah. Let's talk for a moment. The woman with Ben, when Jiang Su goes to confront him and they're having this whole conversation in front of her and she's just like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to still go ahead and get in your car and come with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I think that's kind of all I have. Just, yeah. Just interesting choices in the movie. Nothing bad. Just how I would have done a different thing. Yeah. All right. So let's move into our standout scenes. And for me, I think it's that first scene when um, when Jaime has fallen asleep and Ben is just talking to Jiang Su in the restaurant. Yep. Very very good. I think that's where. Immediately, that kind of flips on some of the dread and the tension where you feel that Ben is not a good dude and this is very bad and you don't know what direction he's going with that. Yep. Yeah, I, mine's pretty similar. I'm going with the the other Ben and Jong Soon interaction when they're smoking the weed. Yeah. Because yeah. um, you get Ben's kind of uh, villain dialogue, you know, right. his monologue and um you kind of start to piece some things together and and when it actually turns it into a mystery right yeah i agree i think i really liked that i also i liked the stuff with the cat um yeah and i i can't tell if i like the one where he's not sure if the cat actually exists but then he like finds out later like that he stole her cat you know, like I don't, I, I thought that was actually like a really good part, mm -hmm. and I felt like if again, if there was more tension in other areas, I think that would have been like a much better payoff. Because then it's like a, it's the I, cat and the watch, or like the the yeah. clear payoff for like yes, his suspicions are right and something bad happened. I do want to touch on that because I like I really do like the confirmation that there is poop in the litter box, and so the cat is there and has been there. But also, at the same time, I like the whole scene with him finding Boyle in the parking garage. But also, as the owner of two cats, there is no way that you're getting a cat to come to you by name. It does not <laughs> give a damn about you in, in any single way, shape, or form of you talking to it. It'll, it'll climb up in your lap and whatnot, but it's not going to answer to its name. Yeah. It doesn't care. It doesn't know what that word means. Dogs do. But your cat's just like, you are nothing to me. I'll come to you when I feel like it. <laughs> All right, let down scene. And let's just, unless Riley has a different one. No, go ahead. <laughs> the, uh, the jazz scene. I think it's just, exactly like that Twin Peaks scene. It is. It's Audrey's dance yeah, it from is. Twin Peaks. <laughs> 
the strongest weed in the universe. Stay off the weed. (laughs) Half a puff and immediately hears jazz music, strips down, dances in a field, and then has a full mental breakdown when the music stops and she realizes she's imagining it. Who among us, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just, again, there's so many things in this movie that are very clear choices that aren't bad. They're just very distracting for what the movie is trying to do um and as a whole i mean i think that scene is such a theme for the entire movie which is you're just like i don't get this and it's fine that i don't get it but i just don't think this is for me you know and it it, yeah like mm -hmm. i can tell it's good almost every scene is like that where you're like i think i think i get why this is good but i just don't think i'm there and it feels like i'm trying really hard to try to like it i don't know I really, really tried. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not just shitting on the movie. I'm, I've tried to avoid, like, really just, like, complaining about the movie because it is good. It's well made. I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I did not have a good time with it. Yeah. I agree. So let's move into our Domhnall Gleeson Award. A cat? I don't know. More boil, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>, boil? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I want more of Jung Soo, I think. Like, I I don't know that I think his performance was good. I want him to be more of a character. Like, he is... I want more between him and Ben. Yeah. I, I want this cat and mouse relationship to really be fleshed out. And again, I'm not trying to fall into the trap of comparing a Korean movie just to another Korean movie, but you have that element with I Saw the Devil. But to compare it to another movie, uh, like Zodiac, give us something that he's getting so close to figuring it out and Ben's ahead of him and Ben actively messes with him around that and makes him feel threatened. There's not really much threat to Jiangsu. It's just him learning information instead of there being action taken regarding it until the very end. Right. There's, there's just, again, it's the same point over and over. There's just no threat to Jung Soo. And Hey Me leaves about halfway through the movie. Cause isn't the, mm. isn't the jazz dance scene the last time we see her? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's, she's only in the first hour 15 of this movie. She's not even in the second half. And so there's no threat to her anymore. Cause it's already happened. There's no threat to Jung Soo. And, there's it just it's missing it's missing some nastiness it really is it's just missing any kind of mean true tension yeah so yeah i think we're in agreement yeah rally of anything yeah so the tension is our domino gleason yes yeah definitely please so it's hard to do we're already at the end of our segments it's hard to do a draft for this movie it's hard to do a who the hell is this for so, I don't know. You guys want to talk Invisible Man? <laughs> do you want to do um, a couple of favorite suspense movies? Like, what are what that. are better versions of this movie? Let's do that. We'll we'll do three picks. I know we're doing this a little off the cuff, so mm-hmm. pull that's up because my... I think it took us actually talking to figure out what we even wanted to do with this. Yep looking back through my list and stuff.
Anybody want to go first? Let's see. I'm uh, I'm still loading up my uh, lists here. I will. You know what? I'll I'll take Zodiac out the gate. Okay. Because Zodiac is phenomenal, and I I love it, and it deeply affected me when I first watched it when I was younger, and that's a truly tense mystery. Yep, I think that is a great example. Um, I'm going to go with Hold the Dark. I've um, been meaning to watch it. I still haven't. Oh, it's great, man. It's I have, it's four and a half on Letterboxd for me. Um, I just think it's a really good, like, it's not, I mean, it's not like this at all, but it's very mysterious, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of malice in that movie. Like, there's a very serious threat of what's going to happen. And so it's still like discovering a mystery, trying to solve a crime. Um, but you can feel it. Like you understand what's at stake. Um, man, I think, I think I'll go with seven. Ooh. There you go. As a good thriller pick here. I don't have much else to say. <laughs> I so okay. uh, I will say I I pick seven while also disavowing. Kevin yes, Spacey. must be said. Uh, not a friend of the pod, enemy of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I my second down. pick, I am going to take bad times at the El Royale, because Ooh. that one has there is so much within that mystery. And it continues to build on itself. And I think the payoff is fantastic. And not just for the main mystery, but each of these characters is a mystery within themselves. And the payoff their own story gives is incredible. And I love Bad Times at the El Royale. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Jeff, second pick. Um... I'm trying to be I'm trying not to go with like very obvious picks. Um I'm going to go with Misery. Ooh. Um like I think that's another movie where uh it's not really a crime. I mean that's that's like very straight up suspense thriller. Um I don't know, think it necessarily has to be crime thriller. I think that fits here. Yeah. Um, if you've not watched Mr. Misery, obviously it's uh, James Caan and, oh, fuck, Catherine Bates? Yes, Kathy right? Bates. Yeah, Kathy Bates, thank you. Um, where he's, like, been in a car crash and his legs don't work and she's basically holding him hostage and she's, like, a super fan of his writing and it's it's real fucking creepy. Right, Riley, yep, second. So I'm going uh, to go with a movie we also mentioned earlier in the pod. Uh, I'm going to go with Nightcrawler. That's a good one. All right. I think I think Nightcrawler is a good, a, a better choice for if you want to watch something along these lines. Solid. And that's actually one I still have to watch. I'm embarrassed by that, but that's a huge blind spot for me. A lot of mystery uh, movies and thrillers kind of are, because if I want to watch something tense, I'll probably just go for straight up horror. That's fair. But my third one... My final pick here with our favorite mystery movies 
this one, it's a, uh, it's a little, it's a little lighter. It's a little lighter. It's not as serious. It's not a bit. It's a genuine pick. Uh, but it's what one might call a family affair. And I'm going with a simple favor. God damn it. Love it. I, That's a good simple thing. favor is so good because I think like that movie does something. So you have your characters here and I didn't really feel much for Hey Me or Jiang Su, but you have your characters in simple favor, especially Anna Kendrick, who not to spoil the movie that we didn't review today, but has done some incredibly messed up things uh, within her whole character's history. And you still empathize and want her to win out with this whole thing. And it's, it's fantastic. I love Simple Favor. That's a really good pick. I'm torn between two picks, so I'm going to cheat. Um, Can I guess my, your pick? Is it The Poison Rose starring John Travolta and Morgan Freeman? It is Listed not. here on Mystery Thrillers. I just wanted to mention that this movie exists. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my my two picks are I'm going to pick one that I think actually fits What this movie is attempting to do really well And that's The Talented Mr. Ripley Have you the one of you seen that? I have so, only seen the first three Alien movies <laughs> <laughs> The Talented uh, Mrs. Ripley Yeah, so Talented Mr. Ripley is um, Matt Damon, Jude Law, and Gwyneth Paltrow and it's a little bit of like a class movie. So like basically Matt Damon goes to like a fancy party um, as like a worker and someone mistakes him as like a member of the party. Um, and so they said, oh, did you go to Harvard with my son? He like lies and says yes. And then he's like, well, my son's like in Italy and like won't come home. Like, will you go over there and like basically bring him home for me? And so then he basically like pretends to be this like really wealthy person and like goes and gets sucked into this like world of like wealth and privilege and stuff like that in italy and then the whole thing is about how it like the links he'll basically go to to stay in that world okay um and so i think it does fit and it's a very similar like it's basically three people in the movie um philip seymour hoffman is also in it he's only in it for like 10 minutes and he obviously again steals the movie so um definitely one i would check out and then I feel like I've talked about it a ton before. Insomnia. So I'm talk about it here, but n- no, I thought about it, but I wasn't going to say it again. Um, Memento. Exam. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Have you have you guys seen Exam? I have not. Yeah, that's no. probably one of my favorite indie suspense movies of all time. Um, it's uh, it's basically a one room bottle episode movie, um, and then it's about these people all basically taking a simple exam, and whoever passes the exam gets to become CEO of the world's biggest pharmaceutical company um and so they're like a multi-billionaire like immediately basically when they pass this um and the the exam is like blank so then they're trying to figure out like what they're supposed to do that sounds awesome so yeah it's it sounds there are probably some things that sound very dumb about it but it's actually awesome An, an honorable mention that i left out because it's more of a comedy than it is an actual mystery but i can't say enough about the nice guys i extol the virtues of that movie any opportunity i get it's so good Mm -hmm. and then shane black gave us the predator instead of a sequel to the nice guys (laughs) oh they can't all be good riley did you do your third one my last pick um i'm gonna go with gone girl oh yeah 
Mm-hmm. Another blind yeah, spot. I feel like that's a good fit for this. Um, I actually haven't seen it in a long time. I feel like it'd be a good rewatch. Um, that and Nightcrawler, actually. But a very good... I don't know if it's really a mystery, but it is. A, it's more of a thriller. Sounds good. Did no, I'm here. Tyler? I'm here. Oh no, there he is. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, the way you're positioned on your camera, I couldn't tell oh. you if you were moving. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I'm here. That's that's one I've been wanting to watch. Um, I don't know why I haven't yet. It's Fincher, and it has a Trent Reznor score, and so I mean, I'm automatically in on that alone. A couple others I wanted to... I left these out, but I want to promote these movies because they're also indies and they're awesome, but they're more on the sci-fi slant, so I left them out of the discussion here. But The Vast of Night that I talked about a couple months ago, uh, very, very good. It's on Amazon Prime. And then The Endless uh, by Aaron... Justin Moorhead and Aaron Benson, or flip that, and it's whatever the opposite of what I said was. Either way, these dudes... Uh, they very much dive into genre things and get real weird with it. The Endless is two brothers returning to a cult that they escaped from and kind of discovering what that actually is and figuring out where this mysterious tape they were sent come, came from. It's awesome. These guys also were supposed to put out Synchronic this year, which is one I was highly excited for and then that ended up not happening uh but if you are interested in their stuff uh outside the endless you can also watch resolution which is in the same universe as the endless and spring which is a romantic cosmic horror comedy or not comedy but a cosmic horror romance movie which also rules wow shall we yeah i think you would really dig the endless specifically jeff gotcha I've been looking through your letterbox. I'm not. I was trying to see if you had done any reviews of any of that stuff, and I don't think you have. I think I might have done the Vasts of Night, or I might have just logged it. Oh, uh, gotcha. But yeah, letterbox is weird about that. Yeah, like the logging versus yeah, it's weird. Anyway, shall we go ahead and rate this movie? I guess so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Can you predict what my rating might be? I think I might be the highest on it because i'm factoring in a lot of just general quality and how i can recognize this as a very good movie and it's not for me so i'll go ahead i'm giving it a i've been teetering between a six and a seven i think i'm landing on six just because it is very very good and well made but i just i didn't enjoy it it's not for me yep that that's exactly where i was going with it like i can recognize that it's a it's it's a good movie, but it is not a good movie for me. Yep. So I feel like a six is a fair score for it. Yeah, and I'm I'm right in the same space. I'm going to do a five and a half. Um, on the letterbox, I'll probably do a two and a half just to make it like equivalent to a five. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I I don't think I'll really ever think about it ever again. And I certainly wouldn't watch it again or tell anybody, oh, you got to check it out. So that's kind of where that lands for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Anyway. We appreciate appreciate you guys listening in uh, for another episode of Who the Hell's This For? Thank you for listening. Have a good couple weeks. 